Okay, so here's a little throwback. There was less gray in the beard. I did a thing for Ascension Cafe at what the World Meeting of Families, I think, in Philadelphia. I think for an Ascension Present Presents video today, we should do that. Hey everybody. Hopefully, hi. So, um, it's really funny during Megan's prayer. I thought she, I thought that she said um, that hopefully God gives us um, that we can receive the gifts God has in store for us. Like gift, like you know what a gift is. Is know what a gift is? It's a little animated little movie kind of thing. It keeps looping on. Like because I have I have entire text conversations in gifts, just like sending gifts back and forth. And so I'm like, yes, Lord, please give me the gifts that you want for me because that's what I I want those gifts in my part of my life. Um, you know, speaking of gifts, um, when it comes to when it comes to the YouTube, have you ever heard of you guys heard of a thing called YouTube? Yes. Okay. <laughs> of course. So um, one of the things is. Do you remember the double rainbow guy? There's this guy, and he's, he's outside. He's in Montana or Alaska, somewhere where they didn't have a lot of electricity. And, um, and he's outside, and he's looking at this double rainbow in the sky. And he's a little bit kind of not quite present fully in life. And so he's like, he's filming this double rainbow, and he keeps going on and like, oh, my gosh, double rainbow all the way across the sky. And at one point, he has this line, and he says, what does it mean? And he says the question, right, what's the double rainbow mean? What is you know, what is the universe? What is God trying to tell me? What does the double rainbow mean? Now, a lot of times I think we go through life and we don't even ask the question of like, what's it mean? Like, what, is life, what does life in general mean? And what does um, this, this moment mean? What does the double rainbow mean? What does his, you know, it starts, it started in the beginning of the Bible, people asking the question, what does it mean? In fact, what we're going to do right now this morning is we're going to go back to the beginning of the story. I don't know if you've been back to the beginning of the book of the Bible. Anyone know the, first na the name of the first book of the Bible? Yes, Genesis. And um, how do you say it? Genesis? How you say it? In this country, you say Genesis? Okay. Um, so the book of Genesis, in the beginning, right, God makes Adam. Here's one of the things that, um, how, many of you, how many of you have heard of a guy named uh, St. John Paul the Great? St. John Paul, Pope John Paul? Yeah, he was a pope a couple popes ago, and, uh, and he talked about this. He said that going back to the beginning of the story, when God made everything, here he makes Adam. He makes this man, right? And he says in that moment, Adam finds himself alone. So here's the scene. God forms out of the, the, the dirt of the earth, up and builds up to a man, it builds up into a body, a man. And he sends his own breath of life, and he blew into his nostrils a breath of life, and the man became a living being. And he placed the man in the Garden of Eden. Now, I just want to jump right into this, because the man is there. And John Paul II, he said this. He said, the man finds himself alone. And you think, like, well, yeah, duh. Because why? Because there's no one else there. And, but, but the man doesn't just find himself alone. The man finds himself alone, thinking I should be for someone else. He finds himself alone saying like, okay, I, I'm not supposed to be alone. And it's one of those senses that John Paul II calls that Adam experienced original solitude. And that original solitude is something that I think probably every one of us has experienced. I think all of us have experienced the, the, the sense of, you ever do this when you walk into, uh, is anyone here in elementary school? Anyone here in junior high? High school? Okay, so you all know this. Okay, right. When you walk into the cafeteria on the first day 
of whatever school, and you know, whether it's junior high, middle school, high school, and it happens in college too, basically, if you have a dining center, you have a cafeteria in college, you walk in with your tray, and you have that look on your face of like, I totally don't care if I ever, if I ever sit down. You're like, just like, I'm fine. Inside you're thinking, okay, just where is someone? Where is there someone? I need to sit with someone. Is there anybody I know? And you're scanning the crowd for like just one person you know, and if there's one person you know, and there's a seat next to them, it's like, oh my gosh, thank you, Lord, because, because we have this sense of like, I'm not made to just be by myself. I'm actually, I'm made for, to be with other people. And when we're alone, a lot of times we can experience, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable to be alone. Well, Adam had this experience, but it was actually heightened like times a million because not only was he looking for a place to sit, he didn't have any friends. Um, he had no friends. And so God says, I'm going to make you a puppy. That's not exactly what God said, but it says this. It says, the man realized he was, you know, he was alone. And so, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. All right? I'll make a suitable partner for him. So then the Lord God formed out of the ground various wild animals, various birds of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever man, name the man would call them would be its name. And so the man gave names to all the cattle, all the birds of the air, all the wild animals. And basically, God says, okay, okay, hey, buddy, hey, buddy. God, this is God going to Adam. Hey, pal. Hey, sport, feeling a little lonely? Yeah, God, I am. Okay, I'm going to give you some pets. Thanks, God. I wanted a cow. Now I have one. I mean, that's essentially what it says. He makes a cattle. And what it says is that none of them proved to be a suitable partner for the man. Now, here's the question. How did Adam know that none of the animals were a suitable partner for him? Anyone? Yeah. They didn't get exactly. They didn't look like him. Like, imagine Adam's like, okay, so here's, here, even like, I, haven't you ever, haven't you always wanted a monkey for a pet, right? I mean, pretty much. Here's, like, oh, hey, like me, not like me. Um, I mean, I mean, there's, I met some hairy people in, the, in, the, in my day, but like, still, you realize you're not the same thing. And you realize that that's not a, that, that's not a suitable partner, because why? Because they don't look like me. Like, we're different, how does Adam know, here's the next question, how does Adam know that he's not like the animals? Any ideas? Did he like say, did he do this? He, he pretend that this is an animal. Um, did Adam say, like, okay, see, let me just see. I don't, I don't feel a connection with you, Mr. Giraffe. Long neck. <laughs> that wasn't very funny. Keep moving. Okay, fine. I don't feel a connection with you, Mr. Giraffe, and so I'm not, me I'm not, meant, I'm not meant to be with you. Is that, is that how Adam did it? Or did he walk up and just, again, the kind of sense of like, okay, let's just, I'm going to try to, just like, okay, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. We've got no chemistry. Like, that's not what he does. What all Adam had to do was this. He, had to, he looked at the body of the giraffe and looked at his own body. He basically looked at himself like, okay, nope. <laughs> Walked up to the dog, nope. Walked up to the armadillo, nope. Walked up to the cat and said, get behind me, Satan. Um, I'm like, you know, you know, you know the cat. You guys know all about cats, right? Actually, I think that it was a misprint when it said the serpent entered the garden. It was supposed to say the cat entered the now, the cat was the most cunning of all the animals the Lord God had made. Yeah, amen. Okay.
Let's, let's pray. Just kidding. Uh, so, but Adam, how did he know that he wasn't like the animals? He looked at his body. And the, the reality is, how Adam knew that he was alone was he looked at his body. And this is one of those crazy moments where all of a sudden we're going to talk about like a little bit adult stuff. Where Adam looked at his, now question, how many articles of clothing did Adam have on his body at this time? Zero clo- articles of clothing. None articles of clothing. He had, he was, he was naked. So, at, here's Adam. And he's naked and he's looking at his body going like, okay, I'm not, I don't know what all these parts are for. Essentially, was what Adam's saying. And what Adam is saying, saying is then, I think I'm made for someone else. And so he looks at the other animals and he says, our bodies don't go together. Our bodies don't go together. Our bodies don't go together. Because why? Because I think if God is going to make something, that thing is going to mean something. I'm going to say that again. If God's going to make something, that thing is going to mean something. And when God gives Adam a body with all the body parts, just a little spoiler alert. Has anyone here ever played with uh, Barbies? Okay, uh, gentlemen, <laughs> G.I. Joes, you know? Okay, so uh, uh, those of you who play with Barbies, have you ever, like, taken all the, all the clothes off the Barbie, off the, all, the, all the clothes off the Ken doll? You ever do that? Sickos, gross, whatever. Why would you do that? It's so sick. Why would you do that? It's so crazy. Okay, uh, yes. Now, here's the deal. When Adam looked at himself, girls, you know, if you've seen a Ken doll, Adam did not look like a Ken doll. The Adam was a fully, fully formed male human being, is what we're trying to say. And so Adam not being a Kendall, he realizes that in his body, he's made for someone else. And, and Eve, when she gets made, she's not a Barbie doll. She's made for someone else. But the body reveals something because if God makes something, that thing's going to mean something. And here's Adam with his fully formed male body, then saying, I'm meant to be for someone else. So what does God do? So then God puts the man into a deep sleep. And while he was asleep, he took out of one of his ribs and closed up the, pla- closed up the place, with, place with flesh. Then the Lord God built into a woman the rib he had taken from the man. This is an incredible moment. What does it say? It says that the Lord God put the man into a deep sleep. Now, the Greek word for deep sleep is the word ecstasis which means he put him into an ecstasy, which means not that he was like, whoa, God, this is amazing. Ecstasy means he took him out of himself. So Adam, here he is in in himself. Just, okay, I'm just, I'm here. I'm me. I'm I'm fine. And he said, the Lord God put him into an ecstasis, meaning like, actually, no, Adam, you're made for more. Go out of yourself. You're called to go out of yourself. So takes the rib out and builds build it up into Eve, into the woman. Now, I've heard people in the course of the last, you know, 2,000 years or 4,000 years because I'm really old. I've heard people say things like, well, see, that means that the woman is less than man because, you know, she came from him. Or that means that the woman is greater than man because, you know, she's the last one that God made. And so, you know, he always keeps getting better and better kind of thing. Now, I've also heard people say, like, you know, guys, when they hear this kind of thing, men, They'll look at their, their wives or their girlfriends, you know, and, and, like, you know, hear that story, like, you know, you're welcome for the rib. <laughs> you know, like, like, you should be thanking me, you know, because you came from me. And the woman looking at them and saying, yeah, and uh, you came from dirt, so it's kind of, I'm not sure, I think it works out okay. But this recognition, of course, is that this moment is not about who's better. It's not about, like, the woman's better than the man or the man's better than the woman. In fact, um, when I was growing up, I have uh, five siblings, there's six of us total, and so I have three older siblings, 
and we had an Atari. You guys heard of an Atari? Basically, think PlayStation, Game Boy, think video games. So, but think video games back when you had to crank them up to get the power. Um, we didn't have electricity. That's a joke. Anyways, um, so since I had three older siblings, we had the Atari, and I got to play Never. So I got to sit there and watch my siblings play video games because if you're a younger sibling, you know that's all you're good for. And so I'm sitting there, I'm watching them play video games. Funny enough, plays into my vocation the rest of my life, there was a plaque next to the TV that my mom had put up. And the plaque said this about Adam and Eve. It said that God took Eve from Adam's side, not from his head to lord it over him, and not from his feet to be walked upon by him, but from his side to walk with him, from near his heart to be loved by him, and from beneath his arm to be guarded by him. Again, this idea that God took, again, God took Eve from Adam's side, not from his head to lord it over him, not from his feet to be walked upon by him, but from his side to walk with him, near his heart to be loved by him, under his arm to be guarded by him. And this is the crazy thing, is that when Adam wakes up, remember Adam, who's looking at his body like the double rainbow guy. He's looking, <laughs> again, this is one of those situations where you could say, again, don't picture it too much. But here's Adam, again, he's naked. He's looking at himself like, what does it mean? What is it? Why is my body like this? And all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, he wakes up, and it says, when the Lord God brought her to the man, the man said, it's actually a, it's a, it's a love song. I don't know if you can tell. You can tell because it's indented. And love songs are always indented. Um, but it's the, it's the first recorded song in Scripture. The man looks at the woman and he says, at last. He says, this one, at last, is born of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of her man has this one been taken. And the man looks, with his naked body, looks at the woman in her naked body and says, I get, I get what this means now. I get my body makes sense now. Because again, when God makes something, it always means something. And so he sees himself in his naked body, and he sees Eve with her naked body, and realizes this is the sign. This is the sign that fulfills, like, my body means something. And what we will do in our life, in this love, means something. He goes on to say, this is why a man leaves his father and his mother, and he cleaves to his wife, and the two have been become one body. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. Basically, becomes one with his bride. Now, when he says becomes one with his bride, Adam is not thinking of kids who will hear this story, you know, 4,000 years later. Adam's not thinking, like, become one with his bride. It's like, they're going to hold hands. It's going to be really, really adorable. That's not what Adam's thinking. Adam's talking about what, what, they call, what they call the sexual union or the marital embrace. Adam's talking about the reality that his male body and Eve's female body will come together in order to, like, actually bring forth life. And that that means something. Question. As adults, who made sex? You're like, I don't. Is this a trick question? Because in church it sounds like the devil made sex. Like, no, who made sex? God. God made sex. God made the sexual union. God made the marital union, this coming together of husband and wife together that brings forth life. Now, crazy, crazy. If God makes something, that means that it is good and means something. If God makes something, of course, he only makes good. If God makes something, that because, that's because it means something. 
But the crazy thing in our culture, in so many ways, is that, like we say, that doesn't really mean anything. In fact, here's a story. Um, there was a, a young man, he went to my, the college that I work at. I work at the University of Minnesota in Duluth. And this guy, he was kind of raised Christian, kind of raised Catholic, and then he left his faith. In fact, when he got to college, he was going to go study abroad. And uh, he traveled all over the, the Australia, New Zealand, and some parts of Southeast Asia. And he said the day before he left to, go, to leave abroad to, to study in another country, he actually had a little, he had a cross, he had a crucifix that he always wore around his neck. He wasn't really religious, but he, but he knew that he didn't want to be religious when he was gone. And so he says, I distinctly remember this. I took my crucifix, took it off, and I put it in my drawer, and I shut the door, drawer. Because I'm like, I'm going away. I don't want Jesus to be with me. Why? Because when I'm gone, I want to just do what I want to do. I want to live how I want to live. And so he did. And this guy, you know, he's, he's like six foot three, blonde hair, blue eyed guy, like really, you know, really fun guy, really personable, super charming. And basically, he spent the next number of months just going from city to city, from, from literally country to country, and he would go from bar to bar, and he would meet up with people, he'd hook up with people, and then he'd just move on. And he, was, he would tell himself, he's like, I'm having a lot of fun. But as the, as the months wore on, he realized that he wasn't having a lot of fun. In fact, there was this one point, he was in Australia. There was a young woman that he essentially, I mean, it was kind of a, he hooked up with her for two weeks. And so basically, they simply had a physical relationship. That was more or less it. I mean, they kind of enjoyed each other's presence, but ultimately, they just had this kind of casual, physical relationship. So he gets done with the studying abroad. He comes back to Minnesota, which where, where I am. And he has all these questions. He has this emptiness of, like, that wasn't actually as great as I thought it would be. So he found where I work, the Newman Center. And we just started talking, and he was like, I don't think God really exists, and I don't think Jesus is really God, and I don't think there's a plan for our lives. And so I just met with this guy, and we met, I mean, almost every week, a couple times a week, and pretty soon this man was like, you know what, I believe. I believe that God exists. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior, and I believe that what I did back there, I believe that was wrong. I believe that God gave, made, made sex to mean something. So he has this major conversion over this one semester. And then one day he says, hey, I, I've, been, I've been having a tough time. I know I need to tell you this. So this girl that I hooked up with like for a couple weeks back in Australia, she's actually, she's had a plane ticket to come stay with me um, in like a week from now. She's going she's gonna to come and stay with, with me for two weeks. And I'm not sure what to do. <laughs> I was like, you have a problem. He's like, I know I have a problem. <laughs> but he's like, I don't know what to do because I don't want to have sex with her because I'm, I know that God exists. I know that Jesus is God. I know that this means something, and I don't, want, I don't want to use her like that. I used her back in Australia, and I do not want to use her now. What should I do? I was like, well, since you have a non-refundable airline ticket, how about this? So he is this really creative guy. He made it so she stayed um, with his parents while he stayed, you know, with some friends. So she had a whole bedroom to herself, really comfortable, this whole kind of thing, and he stayed somewhere else. He had devised this whole slew of activities for the two of them to do the entire two weeks that she was there. And he's this really creative guy. So he's like, we're going to go snowmobiling. We're going to go skiing. We're going to do all these fun things. We're going to go crafting. Because what guy doesn't like to craft, guys? Right? Crafting is like the most favorite thing. Never. Um, but he had all these things for her to do. So it's so funny. I was at the Christmas party because it was over Christmas. And he calls me. And he says, hey, okay, so I'm on my way to pick her up again. 
could you remind me, okay, why don't I want to have sex with her again? <laughs> like, oh, my friend. Okay, because of this, you know. And I, he's like, right, right, that's right, that's right. Okay, I, amen, I believe that. And so, great, hangs up the phone. Long story short, he picks her up. And um, on their drive from the airport to his, his parents' place, He's saying, we're going to do all these things, like, we, I, I've scheduled this tomorrow, we're going to go out and do this, we're going to snowshoe, we're going to build a bonfire, we're going to have s'mores outside in the winter, it's going to be fun, and all these kind of things. And then at one point, he knew he had to say this, he knew he had to tell her this. And so he says, um, by the way, like, uh, I know that when we were in, Aust when I was in Australia, um, we had, like, we, we were intimate, you know, we had sex, and, and I, uh, recently I, I've, I've become a Christian, and and I just, I, I just, I can't do that because I just, it means too much. And this young woman um, looks at him, and she's quiet for a moment. And he's, he's waiting, and she stays quiet, and he's waiting. And finally he says, uh, are, you, are you okay? And she looks at him, and she says, you know what? You can just take me back to the airport. And, and he's like, uh, no, 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 honestly, we're going to... We have a ton of stuff we're going to do. Like, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I really want to spend these next two weeks with you. I, I think we can have a really fun time. But I just, I just don't want to have, I just, I just don't want to have sex. And she's like, no, seriously, you can just, you can just take me, you can just take me back to the airport right now. It's fine. I'll find something else to do. And, you know, I'm glad that you, she said this. She said, I'm glad that you found um, that, that this means something to you. I'm glad that you, you know, believe in something now. And, 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 and maybe sex means something to you. But listen, it doesn't mean anything to me. And, and he's just, you know, so he's a really charming guy. So he's able to convince her to stay for two weeks. And she had a lot of fun in the snow, not anywhere else. And, but, but afterwards, he was like, Father Mike, I just don't understand. This girl simultaneously said, listen, sex doesn't mean anything to me. But at the same time, she was willing to literally fly halfway around the world to spend two weeks with me for no other reason other than the idea that she could have sex with me. And the fact that she couldn't meant that she would fly the other half around the world just back home. Even though the entire time she's saying, it doesn't mean anything to me. And he said, I think that it actually means something to her because if she didn't get it, she was going to go right home. Because here's the reality. Even if we say... I don't think this means anything. Ultimately, at the heart of it, if God made it, then it means something. If God made something, then that something means something all of the time. Even if you don't mean it. Even if, even if we think, like, no, 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 I, just, I, I don't really mean that. As a little example, um, one of my best friends, he was a missionary in China for a number of years. And in China, he taught at, a high at an elementary school. And Oh, sorry. He taught the high school. There was an elementary school attached to it. Anyways, it was an international school with kids from all over the world. There were some American kids. There were some Chinese kids. There were some um, kids from England. So at one point, here's my friend Nick. This little first grader named William runs up to, runs up to Nick and says, you know, in the morning, kind of this, you know, you know those first graders, right? They're all excited to see you and stuff. And, and he walks up and he's like, hello, Mr. Nick. And, and my buddy Nick was like, hey, Willie, what's going on? How you doing, man? And then it goes on to his classroom. Well, a couple moments later, um, another teacher knocks at Nick's door and asks him outside into the hallway. And he goes out in the hallway, and out there is, is little William, 
And he's just, tears are streaming down this little kid's face. And, and Nick's like, whoa, hey, Willie, what's, what's going on? How are you doing? And the teacher, you know, has William, you know, she's protecting him. She's like, William said that he said hello to you and then that you gave him the finger. And Nick, my friend, was like, what? No, 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 I, never, I would never give you, I, I gave him peace. And <laughs> this woman, she took his hand, she said, um, this is peace. In England, this means this without this finger. So in England, if you do this, this basically is the thing, right? It's, it's the bird. So here's my friend Nick, and the little first grader runs up to him like, good morning, Mr. Nick. Hey, buddy, whatever, you know. And, just, and Nick is like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. You know, I meant to say peace and all this kind of stuff. Now, why? Because these gestures that I would have made except they're filming it, um, these gestures, they mean something. Even if I don't mean it, it means something. Even if my friends, the woman he knew in Australia, even if she didn't mean it, those things mean something. Because why? Because the body means something. Because what we do with our bodies means something. Because if God made something, that something is going to mean something. So here's the quick, the, just the question I think that all of us should maybe try to even reflect on in ourselves. Is this question. If God made you, and God gave you a body, then what you do with your body matters. If God made me, and he gave me a body, then what I do with my body matters. Because why? Because what we do with our body, it actually says something. It means something. The reality is, even if I don't mean it, what I do with my body says something. And what I do with my body ultimately means something. That at, at the beginning of the story, at the beginning of the story, is crazy. Here is Adam. And here he is. And as we said before, he's naked. And he says, my body, God made it, so it has to mean something. So what am I, what am I supposed to do? with my body? What am I supposed to do with myself? And then here's Eve, and he says, okay, at last, this is the reason. The reason God made me this way, with my body like this, and the reason God made Eve like this, with her body like that, is because this union, this cleaving together, it actually means something. See, the big, big, the big thing for us then is since everyone here, well, actually, I don't know, I don't want to assume anything, is it, who here has a body? Most of you, right. So that means that your body means something. And we can, either, we can either tell the truth with our bodies, to the people we know, to the people we meet, to the people we love, or we can actually choose to lie with our bodies, to the people we know, to the people we meet, or with the people we love. Because we always have a choice. Like every single one of us has a choice. How will you speak with your body? Because if your body means something, then what we say with our body is either going to be the truth or it's going to be false. And here's the last thing. You know, that first story happened in a garden where Adam wakes up and he realizes, here's my bride. You know, the story goes on to say how Adam betrays his bride, how Adam, like, lets... Um, he doesn't cleave to his bride, doesn't, doesn't hold her to himself, doesn't fight for her. He doesn't actually guard her. Ultimately, of course, we know the story of Jesus himself. Jesus is the new Adam. And Jesus, what does he do? What is, his, what is the purpose of his life? He takes on a body so that in and through his body he can tell the truth. 
and this is the crazy thing, that in and through his body, he can save us. That in and through his body, he can bear our sins. That in and through his body, he can suffer and redeem us. The symbol of the Christian life is not just that cross that my friend took off his neck and put, her, put, in, the, put in his drawer, but is the corpus on the cross. Does anyone know what the word corpus means? Corpus on a cross? You know corpus? It means body. And every time you and I look at a cross, every time you and I look at a crucifix, every time you and I see a body on the cross, what that body is saying is it's saying something. It's saying something on purpose. It's trying to tell us the truth. And what the body on the cross is telling us is this, is that you are worth dying for. The cross, body on the cross is saying that you're worth loving. The body on the cross is saying that here's God who took on a body so he can show you how much he loves you. That's why ultimately the heart of our Catholic faith, the heart of our Catholic faith is not the idea of God. The heart of our Catholic faith is not a belief in God. The heart of our Catholic faith is the body of Jesus Christ. The heart of our faith is centered around the body of God, which is what? Every single time you and I go to Mass and we walk up to Holy Communion and the priest or deacon, whoever says, holds up this piece of what looks like bread and says, what? The body of Christ. We say amen and hands it over to us, places it on our tongue, places it in our hands, that we realize in that moment what's happening is God is speaking with his body, and what he's saying with his body, it means something. The question, of course, we have to ask, we have to ask is, when we come forward and present our bodies to him in Mass, what do we mean? Now, I'm just going to invite you to take just a second. Whether you have notes, whether you have no notes, whatever, whatever, just going to, if you want to close your eyes, you want to keep your eyes open, doesn't even matter. But just to be able to ask the question, if I have a body, and my body means something, do I make it a habit of telling the truth with my body, or do I make it a habit of lying with my body? If I have a body, my body means something. Do I tell the truth with my body, or do I sometimes lie with my body? Do I, sometimes, do I use my body to build people up, to love them, or do I use my body to use people and take away from them. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Almighty God bless you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.